Pacifica's mission statement is about building understanding between nations and people. What you hear on KPFT can have a profound effect on how you live. You listen to KPFT because it expands your understanding of yourself and of the world. And we can continue to bring you great ideas and culture because listeners like you contribute. So why wait for a pledge drive to support KPFT? Give a call to our membership department at 713-526-4000, extension 314. Again, that number is 713-526-4000, extension 314, to speak to our membership department and become a member. This is listener-sponsored, commercial-free Pacifica Radio, KPFT Houston. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Bienvenidos a Nuestra Palabra. Este es su servidor, Tony Diaz. Thanks for tuning in to our bilingual broadcast. This is Tony Diaz, and today we're going to talk about traditions and habits, health and art, because we want to make sure you get through this year so you can thrive next year. Hoy día vamos a hablar con la doctora Zayda López del Departamento de Salud de Houston, que nos va a hablar de la situación actual acerca del COVID-19 y también cómo podemos mantener nuestra salud durante la temporada festiva. We're also going to be giving you a review of some of our highlights from our Hispanic Heritage Month programming because we can't let our traditions kill us. So Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, New Year's, everything is coming up. Stay home. Stay home. Take care of yourselves. Be careful. Our traditions can't kill us. They should not be hurting us. That's what's at stake right now. So we want to give you some highlights. We had so much programming during Hispanic Heritage Month. Even though we were on lockdown, our community rose to the occasion. I want to thank everybody who pitched in and came up with brilliant remote broadcasting, remote shows, and we have so much material that it has spilled over. We'll be giving you some highlights from our Nuestra Palabra interviews, which are multimedia. We're giving you the broadcast audio version today, where we talk to legendary journalist Minerva Perez about the Socolo Committee at the LE Theater. We're also going to talk to Blanca Garza, who made her literary debut through Primer Borrador from the LE Theater, which is coordinated by Valdemar Rodriguez, Manager of Community Partnerships for the LE Theater. Wanted to make sure we got that in. But hey, if you're following us on social media, you've seen it before. Now I want to put it in context. But again, we're putting it with this information about COVID-19 because you've got to protect your family, yourself, and your culture by observing all the rules. I know you're wearing your mask. I'm not even going to bring that up because that's basic. You are also, I hope, going above and beyond the call to duty. Es que hoy día quédense aquí porque vamos a hablar de muchos temas muy importantes, pero lo que queremos es que usted progrese y también disfrute y que mantenga su salud. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. This is Tony Diaz. I want to thank our familia that helps us week in, week out to bring the show to you. We got Rodrigo Bravo mixing remotely and making sure that we sound great. And then we got some great music in there that Leti Lopez provides. And if you've seen our awesome graphics, that's Roxana Guzman. We have a ton of other folks, too, that we want to thank. Additionally, we want to thank you. If you've donated in the past or you're about to, we really appreciate your donations. And we need them. So if you can, please go to kpft.org click and make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Having Their Say we don't have commercials but we do have community cultural capital and we hope that today you can help out by helping us pitch in 
to pay for all the different utilities and all the different infrastructure we need to keep this radio station going, and we're happy to do our part. Again, thanks for tuning in. This is Tony Diaz. Bienvenidos a Nuestra Palabra, yo soy su servidor Tony Díaz. Ahora nos acompaña la doctora Zaira López del Departamento de Salud de Houston. Primeramente, muy buenos días y buenas tardes. ¿Cómo está usted? Buenas tardes, muy bien. ¿Cómo está usted? Muy bien, gracias por acompañarnos para ayudar a compartir esta información muy importante. Sí, muy importante, de verdad, este, de verdad, esta situación de, del COVID-19 es algo que nos ha impactado a todos. Y claro, queramos hablar de, del COVID-19, pero cuéntenos de la situación actual. Sí, mira, este, por primera vez, ¿verdad?, este, del verano, este, que vimos un aumento en, en los casos, ¿verdad?, repentinos, pues, eh, estamos viendo ahora, este, un aumento en la positividad, ¿verdad?, de los casos de COVID-19, también en el número de casos diarios que se reportan, los números, ¿verdad?, están incrementando, 
y al igual que la cantidad de hospitalización, ¿verdad? Se ha visto un momento en, en Houston, esto también es algo que se ha visto eh, a nivel de, de la nación. Y, y también se habla al mismo tiempo de unas vacunas, entonces a lo mejor la gente cree que ya hay momento de dejar de todos los hábitos que hemos formado, ¿ese es el caso, sí o no? Sí, mira, entiendo que de verdad es una combinación de, 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 de circunstancias por las cuales este, los casos han ido en momento, ¿verdad? Este, una, pues como tú bien dices, las personas este, pues, posiblemente han bajado la guardia, ¿verdad? Un poco en cuanto a las medidas de prevención, el uso de mascarillas, el distanciamiento social, el lavado de manos, eh, inclusive el hacerse la prueba, ¿verdad? Muchas personas pues también... Este, pues no, no están buscando ayuda a tiempo eh, y entonces una verdad a la apertura de, de muchos negocios el regreso a la escuela y todo esto se, se, se ha unido verdad y ha, ha propiciado que haya este tipo de aumento en los casos eh, el hecho de que verdad este hay una vacuna este que se está eh, trabajando verdad aún la vacuna no está disponible así que este es un error en este momento bajar la guardia y no tomar las medidas preventivas que hemos estado eh, hablando desde que comenzó la pandemia. Y como usted dice, estos datos son preocupantes y ahora llega la Navidad. ¿Qué, qué recomienda usted para nuestras familias? ¿Se deben quedar en casa? Eh, eh, correcto lo que tú dices, esto es aún más preocupante porque ahora durante verdad este, esta época eh, verdad viene este, la época festiva de las navidades eh, y las personas quieren verdad unirse y celebrar y, y estar en reuniones familiares con amigos este así que esto es preocupante porque ya vemos que tenemos un momento en los casos y entonces si eh, a esto le unimos que las personas verdad van a estar eh, congregadas muchas veces en espacios interiores porque estamos en una época más fría también pues los casos se pueden disparar aún más este, la realidad es que la recomendación es que, ¿verdad?, durante esta este época o temporada festiva, eh, las personas tomen, ¿verdad?, las medidas eh, de seguridad o preventivas que se han hablado, ¿verdad?, este, y que evite las reuniones, si es posible, las, las reuniones presenciales, ¿verdad?, en persona, eh, con aquellas, este, con otras personas que no iban este, con usted en mi lugar, ¿verdad? Mm. Si usted va a celebrar, trate de mantener esa celebración este, eh, limitada solamente a las personas con las que usted vive, ¿verdad? Si, si quiere incluir a otras personas, pues mire, tenemos muchas herramientas tecnológicas en estos momentos, como son las videoconferencias, ¿verdad? Este, mm. Las llamadas en grupo. Que no es lo mismo, pero al menos estamos en contacto con nuestros seres queridos, ¿verdad? Y esto es una manera eh, eh, de, de, de celebrar también, si es posible. Esperemos que el, el próximo año ¿verdad? podamos tener una celebración este, a todo dar, como dicen, pero en estos momentos no podemos bajar la guardia. Así que si es posible, evitar las congregaciones, viajar, eh, ese tipo de cosas para evitar que pues, esto se siga propagando, inclusive dentro de nuestra misma familia, ¿verdad? Y bueno, este año la temporada festiva es diferente debido a la COVID-19. Esa, esa es la realidad que estamos en. Definitivamente, sí. Es correcto. Eh, va a ser muy diferente, pero eh, eh, tenemos que entonces este, eh, estar muy conscientes, ¿verdad? Que, que si eh, verdad no tomamos las debidas precauciones, podemos exponer a nuestros seres queridos, ¿verdad? Y entonces eh, va a ser este una temporada más triste, ¿verdad? No queremos poner a, esta, a estas personas que son más susceptibles dentro de nuestra misma familia, los, las personas mayores, aquellas que tienen condiciones de salud. este Así que eh, debemos ser muy precavidos en cuanto a esto. Si realmente... este tiene que participar o desea participar, mire, pues entonces eh, tiene que, como quien dice, ponerse en cuarentena, ¿verdad?, aislarse por 14 días, eh, para entonces aislarse 14 días antes de participar en, en alguna actividad y 14 días después, porque no queremos poner a nadie, ¿verdad? Este, No sé cuántas personas puedan hacer esto en el sentido de, de en cuanto a tiempo, así que la recomendación es sencilla. Seguir todas las medidas de prevención que se han venido repitiendo por todos estos meses este y, y quedarse en casa, ¿verdad? Tratar de, de, de celebrar en familia, en el, en el núcleo familiar, las personas que viven con usted.
y, y es bueno repetir estas, estas estrategias básicas. Uh, cuéntenos el papel de la mascarilla. Sí, mira, este, la mascarilla es una de las herramientas eh, ¿verdad? que tenemos, de las, de las pocas herramientas que tenemos para combatir este, este virus. Eh, es una forma muy eficiente, muy eficaz de combatirlo si se utiliza adecuadamente, ¿verdad? Este, que cubra boca y nariz, que quede apretadita a los lados, este, y se usa en conjunto con otras medidas, como son el distanciamiento social, ¿verdad? Este, el lavado de manos frecuente y haciéndose las pruebas, pues sí, ¿verdad? Este, usted cree que ha estado expuesto o se siente este, con algún síntoma y aislarse. Eh, la, la mascarilla lo que hace es que eh, evita que estas microbotas que cuando usted habla, ¿verdad?, este, con otras personas o, o, o este, esté muda o tose, evita que esas microbotas que están cargadas de virus en, la, en, en las personas que tienen, ¿verdad?, la infección, que salgan y caigan, ¿verdad?, y sean recibidas por otra persona y esta otra persona se infecte. Eso es lo que hace la mascarilla. Eh, evita que la persona que está enferma pueda eh, expulsar estas gotitas que llevan el virus y también en cierta medida da un, un cierto grado de protección a las personas que no están enfermas que tienen la mascarilla puesta. Este, así que es algo muy sencillo que podemos hacer, eh, que está disponible, ¿verdad? Inclusive este, si no tiene una mascarilla, eh, ¿verdad? comprada de esta este, quirúrgica, mire, con que utilice una mascarilla que sea, eh, que pueda doblarla, que tenga varias capas, que tenga algún filtro, ¿verdad? Mm. Eh, que sea, este, que pueda respirar, tiene ciertas especificaciones, eh, que pues, puede buscar las redes sociales, pero siempre que usted pueda cubrirse para que usted no tenga, ¿verdad?, que esas microbotas no sean impulsadas, pues eh, esto va a ayudar definitivamente a controlar y a contener un poco eh, la dispersión de, de este virus, pero siempre tomando en cuenta que esto no es una sola medida eh, que se usa aislada, esto se tiene que usar en conjunto con todas las otras medidas que hemos hablado también. Y si alguien cree que ha, ha estado expuesto a una persona con esta enfermedad, ¿qué, qué debe hacer? Sí, mira, lo primero que debe hacer es eh, aislarse, ¿verdad? Si cree que está expuesto, eh, quedarse en su casa, comunicarse con, con su médico, ¿verdad? Eh, hacerse la prueba eh, y entonces eh, tratar de estar monitoreando sus síntomas por si desarrolla algún este, eh, síntoma de todo fiebre, alguno de esos síntomas, está monitoreándose, pero si es posible hacerse la prueba ¿verdad? para estar seguro, este, y si no, de todos modos, debe de quedarse aislado en su casa, este, eh, practicar este, cuarentena. Y, y parece que si mantenemos esta disciplina, a lo mejor podemos evitar que cierre negocios, o las escuelas. Uh, ¿Podemos hacer ambas cosas? Porque parece que no se ha llegado a ese punto aquí como en otras partes de Texas. En Houston parece que nos hemos protegido un poco. ¿Se pueden hacer ambas cosas? Sí, claro. Mira, este no hay que cerrar la economía completamente, ni hay que cerrar todas las escuelas. Si se practican estas medidas, este se puede hacer, ¿verdad? Se puede... este Volver a un cierto grado, ¿verdad?, de, de, de normalidad. No vamos a volver a la normalidad porque todavía no podemos bajar la guardia, pero sí podemos regresar a ciertas actividades, ¿verdad?, con todas las medidas este, implementadas, ¿verdad?, eh, no se puede bajar la guardia, pero sí definitivamente, este, mire, si usted quiere salir, puede salir, este, hacer actividades al aire libre, ¿verdad?, son menos bien cosas que hacer actividades en el interior, si está este, en algún lugar, este, mantener la distancia, ¿verdad? Siempre este, limpiarse las manos, este, desinfectarse, lavarse las con agua y jabón, este, por 20 segundos al menos. Este, y siempre, ¿verdad? Tener su mascarilla a la mano, este, ¿verdad? Este, disponible, tener su, su mascarilla y, y ¿verdad? utilizarla correctamente. Este, y todo eso se puede... este hacer de manera conjunta y no hay que estar entonces este, cerrando todo. Todo esto se puede hacer en conjunto si se hace, si se, si se es disciplinado. Y, y todo el mundo tiene que poner de su parte porque si solamente algunos lo hacen y otros no, no funciona. Todo el mundo tiene que poner de su parte. 
No, muy buen punto. Y también, como usted dice, hemos cambiado. Yo, por ejemplo, antes de la epidemia, yo jamás pedí los alimentos por internet. Ahora. Uh -huh. <risa> es correcto, hay, mucha, hay muchas alternativas. Mira, este, puedes ordenar la, los alimentos, como tú bien dices, por el internet, hacerles recogido, este, eh, que se hace, uno, uno va a... a Casi todas las tiendas de comestibles, los supermercados tienen este servicio y usted va y lo recoge. Este, muchas veces se, se lo pueden llevar a la casa también. Eh, hay muchas medidas, ¿verdad? Inclusive si usted quiere este auspiciar algún negocio, usted puede ordenar por teléfono y va a recoger la comida, no tiene que estar interactuando con, con personas, ¿verdad? Los pagos se pueden hacer en línea también. Así que hay muchas alternativas que podemos utilizar para evitar eh, ese, ese contacto de persona a persona, ¿verdad? Y poder mantenernos este seguro y sano. Muy buenas ideas. Y ahora va a llegar la tentación de, de como le dicen, a Black Friday, el viernes negro. Uh -huh. ¿Cuáles recomendaciones tiene usted para, para eso? Sí, mira, este, evite, eh, ¿verdad? Por, de todas formas, evite estar este, haciendo estas compras en persona, ¿verdad? Uh -huh. Esta es una temporada que, y esta es una fecha que las personas van y las tiendas se abarrotan. Eh, no queremos gente conglomerada, ¿verdad?, eh, en espacios cerrados. No queremos ese tipo de comportamiento. Tenemos que ser muy disciplinados. Eh, muchas, este, muchas de estas este, comercios, tiendas, tienen este... Eh, su, su, su website, ¿verdad?, que puedes hacer las compras en línea. Así que y tiene los mismos especiales, las mismas... Este, eh, los mismos CEOs, ¿verdad? Las mismas este, eh, ventas. Y usted puede aprovechar todo eso, inclusive puede ordenarlo, le puede llegar a la casa o puede hacerle recogido, ¿verdad? El curbside, como le dicen. Mm. Así que consideren hacer su compra, ¿verdad? Por internet, es conveniente, es menos riesgoso y no tiene que, ¿verdad?, que perderse de esta ocasión, ¿verdad? Yo sé que muchas personas están pasando por, por una situación económica un poquito difícil y pues aquí aprovechan para eh, hacer sus compras, pero pueden hacerlas sin tener que hacerlo de forma presencial. No, muy, muy buen dicho y yo creo que eso es, eso es importante, hay que hacer una mezcla de cosas al mismo tiempo mantener estos hábitos y, y cuáles ideas tiene usted para si bueno si alguien necesita ir a comprar de repente o, o, o necesita ir por unos alimentos algunas urgencias Claro, claro, mira, siempre va a haber una ocasión en que vamos a tener que salir y esto es algo que pues muchas veces no podemos evitar eh, pero eh, siempre utilizando ¿verdad? su mascarilla eh, vaya cuando haya menos gente, usualmente este, si va tempranito en la mañana o en ciertos días de la semana no hay tanta gente, ¿verdad? Si va un sábado a mediodía posiblemente la tienda esté muy llena, eh, pero debe aprovechar esas horas donde hay menos gente, menos tráfico, ¿verdad? Y utilice su mascarilla y cuando vea gente, pues usted mantenga su distancia, eh, si puede llevarse toallitas desinfectantes o, o algún... Este, eh, algún sanitario será base de alcohol, ¿verdad? Por lo menos de 60%, 70% al menos. Este, usted, puede, usted puede ir y hacer sus compras, entre y sale, no tiene que pasar mucho tiempo dentro de la tienda y tomó todas sus medidas y se aseguró, ¿verdad? De, de protegerse usted y proteger a los demás. No, qué bueno. ¿Y, y todavía hay un enfoque en, to en tomar la prueba? ¿Eso es todavía importante? No he escuchado mucho yo de eso. Sí. Sí, 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 la prueba es, es una herramienta también, como le dije anteriormente, eh, está el uso de la mascarilla, el distanciamiento, el lavado de manos y hacerse la prueba, porque lo que queremos es identificar a aquellas personas eh, que tienen el virus para que se aíslen, ¿verdad? Una vez estas personas se aíslan, se corta esa cadena de transmisión, así que sí. si no sabemos, pues no podemos tomar medidas, porque muchas personas presentan síntomas, pero la mayoría no presentan síntomas, ¿verdad? muchas personas no presentan síntomas y entonces queremos saber eh, que si estamos infectados o no para poder tomar esas medidas de, de, de precaución este y poder proteger a las demás personas y aislarnos. Así que definitivamente las pruebas están disponibles, el Departamento de Salud tiene este, lugares este 
eh, donde se hace la prueba de forma gratuita a través de todas las ciudades, este, y estos recursos están disponibles para las personas. Perfecto, y que debemos repetir, claro, si uno va, no les van a pedir si son ciudadanos, uh, no hay costo alto, ¿todavía eso es, uh, eso es el caso? Para nada, mira, el estado migratorio no se toma en cuenta para nada, esto no se le va a preguntar tan siquiera, este, la información que se le va a pedir es muy básica, es simplemente aquella información que sea necesaria para poder eh, hacer la prueba y darle los resultados. Así que este no hay ningún tipo este, de problema, ¿verdad? Si te residente o no es residente, eso nada de eso. Este, no se le va a pedir plan médico si no tiene. Este, hay, hay sitios de, donde se puede hacer la prueba de forma gratuita, así que eh, no debe haber barreras. Inclusive ya no hay estas largas filas que se, este, se veían al principio, ¿verdad? Ya las filas han bajado, los resultados están disponibles en menos tiempo. Así que el proceso se ha ido este, mejorando muchísimo. este Y, y, y de verdad que está, es un recurso que está disponible para las personas y exhortamos inclusive a que las personas vayan y se sigan haciendo la prueba. Finalmente, ¿hay unos sitios o números telefónicos que usted recomienda para más información? Sí, mira, las personas pueden ir a nuestra página web, a HoustonEmergency.org, diagonal COVID-19, o pueden llamar al centro de llamadas del 832-393-4220. Y ahí usted puede, este, puede pedir información acerca, acerca de los centros eh, donde se este, hacen eh, las pruebas, esto cambia semanalmente, también en la página web se actualiza eh, semanalmente y pueden entonces encontrar algún sitio que le quede cerca de su casa o que le quede cerca de su trabajo y así, este verdad, no, eh, no tiene que salirse mucho de, de, su, de su camino, de su horario para poder hacerse la prueba. Fantástico, gracias por toda esta información. Estamos charlando con la doctora Saida López del Departamento de Salud de Houston. Muchas gracias. Muchísimas gracias a ustedes. No quiero despertar. Estas sábanas me pesan. Me calman la ciudad. No. Reconozco sabor. Ya leí de este poema. Siempre busco dolor. This is Tony Diaz. Today we're going to take a deep look at a new committee 
that is spearheading the way a major arts institution reaches out to the Latino community. And we're going to be joined by legendary media personality, Minerva Perez. First, I want to give her a big virtual hug. Minerva, how are you? I'm doing good. I, I'm doing good, and I'm glad to hear your voice because I haven't been outside of my house to really do anything uh, until, until today. So I'm I'm excited to to hear somebody else's voice. It's been a lonely a lonely uh, journey. <laughs> well, fantastic because stay, I'm glad that you're staying strong and staying involved. Now you are one of the members of the Alley Theaters Socolo Advisory Committee. Very very important institution. Very very important committee. Tell folks a little bit about what the Socolo Advisory Committee does. Uh, well, El Zocalo obviously was formed uh, about a year ago uh, to um, do outreach to the Latino community, to, to, to outstretch the hand of a, a huge, huge audience here in Houston. As you know, uh, one in two people are uh, Latino in Houston. But uh, until now, until this committee was formed, there wasn't a lot of outreach to this population. And and I think the Alley Theater, the first in Houston to really uh, go out there and say, we want you to come here, is, is uh, phenomenal. And it's about time that a major theater group like the Alley, a prestigious one around the world, uh, is, is doing this for the Latino community in Houston. Like I said, it's the first. And what it's supposed to do is bring in interest from this population. And El Zocalo is uh, trying to uh, bring it all together with uh, guest playwrights and new programming. I mean, uh, Octavio Solis, uh, a very noted playwright, came to Houston with uh, um, Quixote Nuevo, and it was an amazing, amazing hit. Uh, just very recently, a few months ago, as a matter of fact. Of course, the theaters are dark right now, but we plan to get right back and and uh, continue our mission. And our mission is to welcome everybody, especially the Latino community, to the Alley Theater. I'm proud to be a member of the group as well. And what I love about the approach that the Alley Theater is implementing is that I think right now it's kind of standard for a lot of organizations to have Latino advisory committees what I think is different is that the Alley Theater has actively worked with us, but also implemented a lot of our recommendations. And you mentioned Quixote Nuevo. That was a Latino playwright, a Latina directing. They had cast, they had crew, Latino from top to bottom. It was an update about a story that's classically Latino, and it was fantastically staged. That was thrilling. I think that's big because that's the first group that puts its money where its mouth is. Additionally, they went ahead and hired a community outreach organizer in the form of Valdemar Rodriguez. That's also a big first step. What does that signify to you about what this committee is out to do? Well, it signifies to me that this, this uh, theater group is very serious about what they claim uh, is the interest in the Latino community. And bringing on a uh, professional like Valdemar Rodriguez uh, to do this and carry this out and giving him reign to do it. Uh, uh, and, I mean, it's just an amazing step for the Alley Theater. And I think it's going to go far. It's gone this far over a year now. And if it hadn't been for this COVID scare, uh, we'd still be uh, bringing in uh, new programming, et cetera, and playwrights and, and you know, guest uh, directors. And uh, I'm very excited about the future for El Zocalo. And I'm very excited that Valdemar Rodriguez is leading this charge. And like you're saying, what, what I like about that is there's a direct connection between the upper echelon of this nationwide organization, but very immersed in the community. And, and Valdemar is one of those conduits. The Socalo is one of those conduits. And bringing real programming that's authentic, but also world class is powerful. And hiring, hiring someone that will get that job done. All those are unique aspects. And again, right before COVID, because we were on a trajectory... <laughs> We were flying high. Yes, we were. Right now, everybody is suffering. Why should organizations still give resources to outreach programs 
if everybody is suffering with Nerva, because that's the argument right now is we can't do a lot for Hispanic Heritage Month. Some organizations are saying everybody is in a tailspin. Everybody's in a tailspin, absolutely. Uh, but we're going to get through this. Uh, I'm very optimistic that we are going to get through this. We will see the uh, light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, and I think, yeah, we're in a pinch right now. I think everybody is. All theater groups and all organizations, especially nonprofits in the city, are suffering right now. And that's why we have to keep this up. And that's why we have to keep interest and we have to keep the passion and and promote these types of programs promote the Alley Theater and El Zocalo and, and, uh, and run with it. We were running. You're absolutely right, Tony. We were running with this. I mean, we'd already had um, uh, Misa Fronteriza before Quijote Nuevo, uh, that group from Monterey, Mexico, that came here. And it was through the El Zocalo Committee that facilitated that. And that was something new. It was a bilingual uh, play about what was happening on the border. I mean, it was so interesting and so on the money. Uh, it got a little political there, but uh, it was so on the money of what this group wants to do uh, for the Alley Theater. And I'm committed as a, as a member, as I know you are, and the other members of this organization, uh, of this committee, like David Luis from Bank of America and others. Um, I'm just very excited with the future. I think uh, once we get through this fog of COVID, uh, we're going to be up and running again. And obviously, the Alley Theater, <clears throat> excuse me, sees the importance and has continued to support uh, El Zocalo and support uh, Valdemar Rodriguez through this horrific time. And here we are trying to keep the rhythm going remotely. The Alley Theater has teamed up with Nuestra Palabra for our Ultimate Hispanic Heritage Month observation, but it's dire. I want to remind folks that here in Houston, we have a 50-year tradition of the Fiestas Patias Parade, which has been canceled. On a closing note, Minerva, fire us up. Tell us why this Hispanic Heritage Month is vital. Tell us why art and culture matter. Tell us how we're going to get through this. Well, uh, our culture matters because we make almost 50, more than 50% of the population in this city. We are, uh, the, or the Latino community is really driving the economy in this city and, and driving the workforce and driving uh, cultural aspects of our city. Um, so we cannot be ignored anymore. And I think every major city in the country, as you have seen, you know, through protests, et cetera, Latinos are right there with Black Lives Matter. Latinos are right there with all the protests that are going around the country, uh, especially here in Houston where George Floyd lived and grew up. Uh, George Floyd is a name that will never be forgotten as far as civil rights. And Latinos are right there and have always been at the forefront of civil rights. That's why we cannot be ignored in this, in this fantastic city we call home. That's fantastic. Well, really a joy to get to say hi to you, Minerva. And thank you so much for staying committed to our art and community. Well, thank you so much. I think uh, education through the arts is vital. And uh, we hope to keep it going. Déjame esta noche estar contigo Y te muestro el sol que no has podido ver Déjame con ansias consolarte Y decirte que si hay vida en Marte Ven Déjame jugar, enamorarte El juego donde el corazón se parte Con mis dedos entregarte el mundo 
que se acorte la distancia un paso a la vez. Busco que tú sepas que en tu voz me inundo, busco en mis palabras cómo hacerte This is Tony Diaz. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be celebrating Latino art and culture. We'll be talking about an innovative program that the Alley Theater started called Primer Borador. To tell us about it is one of the pioneering participants. She's joining us right now. Please say hi to Blanca Garza. Blanca, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am from Monterrey, Mexico, and I've been living, I've lived here most of my life in Houston. Um, and uh, this program has really taken me to other, you know, new heights and new levels for myself that, you know, I never thought I, I would actually do. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, what's exciting to me, and I want to confirm this first, are you making your international debut as an author? Yes, it is absolutely my international debut as an author. And I want to, I want to point out, this program combines talent from our community. We're talking authentic Latina talent with national level artistry because the Alley Theater is involved. And the conduit in the middle is our dear friend and community organizer and artist, Valdemar Rodriguez. We're going to meet everybody. Every, part, every single part of that moving train, we're going to meet individually. However, I also want to talk about the fact that this almost didn't happen. So, Blanca, we were chatting, and you said that you almost quit after the first workshop. Correct, yes. Um, I was just, you know, kind of nervous. I didn't know if it was for me. I had never written anything before. Um, I guess part of me always thought, like, oh, I have a story to tell, or there's something there, and being, you know, a Latina, and, and you know, being part of this community and, and my growth, I guess, over the years, and I thought it, there would be something there. But yes, I was really nervous because I'm not a writer and, and I've never performed. And uh, so all of those things felt scary to me at, at first. Well, and let's revisit that anxiety because the application process seemed pretty straightforward, but you were expecting some of those typical requirements that might be intimidating right so headshot <laughs> your agent has to submit something performance resume would things like that have kept you from even getting involved oh yes absolutely I was not prepared in any way to do anything like that I mean I didn't I don't I didn't see myself as a writer in any way um, 
And, uh, but I, you know, Valdemar, who was the head of the Primer Borrador, was all, all, all the way along, you know, the entire program was just encouraging everyone and, and let us know that, you know, he wanted people from the community to tell their stories. And I think that's what gave, you know, me and some of the other participants a lot of courage to, to do it. Now, I want folks to see your story because it's powerful, it's poignant, it's fun. But I want people to appreciate the fact that that story was almost not told. Now, not only has it been told, it's being archived, it's being shared, and we have all together created another Latina artist. But the first class didn't go as you expected. Tell us a little bit about that. Revisit that anxiety, please. No, yeah, the, the first time that I, you know, I saw um, on, it must have been social media that Alley Theater had this program starting, and I think I logged on to the first session, and I couldn't, like, I think I was having connectivity problems, and um, I thought it was going to be more of a lecture series, which I was, like, all for, because I was, like, I, I'm really good at taking notes, and I could be behind the scenes and just kind of learn some new things, but... Then um, I realized it was, it was more than that. It was participation and bringing your own story and bringing it to the forefront and that it was going to be presented. And so, yeah, that gave me anxiety, but, uh, but I went ahead. And, and uh, Valdemar was, was always really encouraging. Now, you had technical issues. You were nervous that first class. By chance, you knew someone taking the class. So... Tell us about your friend taking the class. Did you know she was enrolled, or was that a complete surprise? No, no, I did not know she was enrolled at all. This is a really dear friend of mine who I've known for, I think, 30 years. And um, she started telling me about, you know, that she was doing this class and what was, a, what was part of it and how, you know, she had her own story to tell with her family. And, uh, and so that also gave me more encouragement to, to kind of, now I had a buddy in the program, and, uh, and so we could chat a little. We didn't chat that much about it, and, but it gave me, you know, it's like, oh, I have a friend doing this as well. So we, you know, I would call her sometimes, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not ready. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to present. I'm going to get scared and nervous. But, you know, so we, we kind of exchanged a little bit of stuff like that around it. <laughs> That's great, and that's so important to have that network, camaraderie, una comadre helping you through it. I also want folks to understand that you are an intellectual, an academic, uh, well-accomplished professional, because I don't want people to think, well, you know, she just doesn't know how the internet works. That's not the case. <laughs> uh, let's start by telling folks, how many languages do you speak? Well, I speak... Um you know, Spanish and English, and I studied undergrad, I studied French, and I have a minor in Italian. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And you're well-educated. Tell folks about your bachelor's degree and your master's degree. I studied languages undergrad, and I wanted to be a translator. So at, at, uh, after college, I moved to New York. And I went to NYU, and I was doing a translation program there for a couple of years. And then when, uh, while I was there, though, I had to work. So I started working at an investment bank, and I started learning about asset trading and uh, foreign bonds. And uh, when I moved back to Houston, uh, I had finished the program, and I was working, looking for work as a translator, and I couldn't really make any money, uh, or not a lot. Um, and so I, I got into a, a brokerage firm, and then I... I kind of stayed there and, and realized that I was good in math and good at finance, and then I, I worked on my MBA, and um, yeah, the rest is kind of history. I've been working in finance uh, for 25 years now. You know, just another Latina broker, that's all. <laughs> but, but I really want to dwell on that, though. So your day job sounds like it's really important. Tell us the level you've gotten to in your field. And are there a lot of other Latinos, Latinas around in that ambiente? Well, no, not at my firm. I work at a boutique firm, and I'm uh, now a senior portfolio manager, and I manage municipal bond portfolios. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, every day I'm looking at the market and kind of what's, you know, what's going on with, uh, you know, every day, so, and taking care of my clients. 
Um, so yeah, there's not, in my firm, I'm the only Latina and certainly at that level. Um, and um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, an important position, I guess, for me. I, I shouldn't ask such a direct question, but do you handle lots of money? Y yes, I do. Millions? Millions, yes. I, listen, <laughs> yeah. that's not as impressive as moving around paragraphs and, and line <laughs> breaks, but that, that's, good, that's a good second best. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think what's noted is that you do have so many academic accomplishments, credentials, yet there were some barriers that gets in the way, not just for you, for all of our community to tell the story. What I love about this project is that it takes a major institution to say, let's change the rules. They've got to bring in someone like Barlamar Rodriguez that knows our community. And then it has to be set up for someone as talented as you to get past these barriers and come in and tell the story. Right now, let's do a PSA for the humanities. Here you are, you're in the finance world. What have you taken away from this creative course that you think will benefit you in your everyday occupation? This is a pilot program and it's not something that I ever thought I would kind of get into and certainly not writing. I've never seen myself as a, as a writer or, and certainly not a performer. So yeah, I mean, I think um, I can be, tengo mucho orgullo, I have, um, I can be proud of, of the project, especially, you know, having done it with uh, Balemar and the Alley Theater. And uh, I think it just kind of shows where we can, we have a lot of facets to ourselves. And, and uh, you know, who knows where this will go. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited too. And we're actually leaving out some other barriers, some other layers. We're not going to touch it because we want to cut through all that with the magic of art. On the other hand, I got to ask you, though, it's not like you just woke up one day and you're like, I think I'll try theater. I think I'll try writing. There must have been some sort of wish, view, vision, desire, un inquietud throughout that you finally were able to act on. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, I mean, I think for a while I've probably felt that I have a, a story to tell, my story, my family story, but also the story of, you know, the uh, Latino community, Latinas in this country and in this city also, and, and uh, what we have to offer and what, you know, what we're doing. And uh, in this environment, I think it's more important than ever to come out and be on, on the front lines, you know, be on the forefront and not always just in the background. Uh, and I think that was part of what, you know, kind of lit a little fire under me in doing this project. That's exciting. You're getting me fired up. And I want to assure our viewers and listeners that when you see her story, it will touch your heart even more. Now, I also want to find out, do you plan to take this work to another venue, to keep writing, to keep creating? Yes, I mean, I think uh, I think it could go somewhere uh, if I keep, you know, kind of nurturing it and giving it wings. Uh, the um, I wrote a piece that is uh, a children's book, and I wrote it about uh, Familia de Garzas. So when I say, you know, give it wings, maybe it'll take flight and it'll go somewhere else and it'll grow and maybe, you know, become an actual children's book. That, that would be awesome. And we do have to celebrate our victories. Again, I want to stress that this story was almost non-existent. It took this structure to, to cultivate that story. And now you can watch it too, celebrate it too, and get inspired by it as well. Let me ask you one last question about the structure of the workshop. I have a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. There they said, hey, you better write the short story this way or it's no good. Was it that sort of environment or was it more liberating? Absolutely not. No, I think if, if it had been that way, I would have gotten probably overwhelmed and would have talked myself out of doing it. But um, Valdemar was always really encouraging and just uh, giving us ideas of, you know, how to, where to go with the story or how to, uh, he, we would show it to him and he would uh, tell us what we could do, you know, in this way or that way, but he was never judging us. And uh, 
So it was that, that was what really opened it up for I think for myself certainly to feel comfortable enough to move forward and, and do and, and finish the story. I love it. And again, we don't want to give too much away from your story because we want people to enjoy it. But this is a chance now for you to address someone that's watching or listening and they may have that story building up but there's certain barriers keeping them away from sharing it. What would you tell that person? You know, really want to encourage them to uh, look into it and to, to, you know, take part of this program because uh, it is kind of amazing um, what the end product is. And um, it was not something, again, that I even thought I was going to be able to do or finish. Along the way, I had a lot of doubts. But, um, but here I am, and I completed it, and, and it was just a few short weeks, and, um, and so it's, it's really exciting, and I'm very happy with the, with, with the story. We're so proud of you. Great talking to you. We've been chatting with Blanca Garza, a graduate from the first residency, Primer Borador through the Alley Theater. This is Tony Diaz with Nesta Palabra, Latino writers having to say. Hope we can all help you share your story. Gracias. Thank you so much for tuning in and your continued support. This is Tony Diaz with Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven or Say. want to give a shout out to the Alley Theater for creating this program, Valdemar Rodriguez for always supporting our community, and for all of you for supporting Latino art and culture. We're proud to unite. Magazines, newspapers, cable television, the internet, all sources of news and information, and all cost money. KPFT costs money too, but unlike those other news sources, you get to decide whether you want to help pay for it and how much to contribute. It's unusual in the age of big corporate media to have a quality source of news and information that's paid for voluntarily. But that's one more way KPFT gives you more than you might expect. We can do it thanks to listeners who contribute their voluntary support every year. Please join them. Call 713 
526-5738 or go to kpft.org. Again, you can make your gift at kpft.org or call 713-526-5738. That's 713-526-KPFT. Call now. This is commercial-free, listener-sponsored Pacifica Radio, KPFT, Houston. Some say the internet has hurt the art of letter writing, but here at KPFT, stamps still get the love and respect they deserve. Did you know you could write to your favorite shows, request a program schedule, or just share your ideas on programming, outreach, and more? Quick, write this down. KPFT's address is 419th Levitt Boulevard, Houston, Texas, 77006. You can send a letter to your favorite shows in care of K.